Amen. Man, it's so great to be in the house of God. So good to be back, man. I missed you all. I'm just glad. Well, thank you, Vanessa. Man, I'm glad to be back. Um, I, I, I just went away on a short vacation and um, man, to get refreshed and recharged and ready to go. And you know, sometimes we need those things. Make sure you do that this summer. But while I was gone, I got to tune in to the live stream, which was great. But can I just tell you, it pales in comparison to actually being in the room, worshiping with you all, getting to really be in a community. And so I just want to say, if you think that watching online is a replacement for church, you are mistaken. I missed you all. I'm so glad to be back. And I just want to take a second and welcome our Lancaster family with us. Come on, I thought was help me, Lancaster. Would you make a little noise? We're excited to have you. And today's a special day, is it? As we celebrate dads all across our church, can we do a, a just give it up for all the fathers here today? Come on, we just love you, dads. Man, I I think one of the greatest joys in my life is getting to be a dad. There's nothing like it. I want to say to all the dads that are here today, you came to church today. Hey, thank you for leading your families well. Hey, I know it's hard. Sometimes we don't know what to do as dads and how to be a spiritual leader. But if you're here today, I just want to say you are setting the example. You're setting the standard that I am a man who loves Jesus and I come to church and I worship him. When you do that, I'm telling you, there's no better example you can set for your family. And uh, I, I'm very, I'm very blessed to be a dad. And uh, well, my, my two daughters are here in this experience. And uh, would y'all come up here on stage with me? I just can you I just want to give it up for my these two made me a dad. Come on. You don't have to walk a snail's pace. Let's go. Let's move with purpose. Oh. These two made me a dad. Isn't that great? Uh man, I just I'm so thankful. I, I'm 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 really thankful, listen, not just for that, but man, I just my heart is so full as a dad because my two daughters just got back from an entire week at Passion Camp and it was life-changing I'm telling you um, and I just thought maybe they could just for for 10 seconds just celebrate 15 seconds just could you just say what God did in your life at Passion Camp go ahead um, my name's Lauren and last summer I started being a high school leader for the youth and um, I've never like this past week was my first time ever going on a camp as a leader and I can't even tell you how overwhelmingly powerful it is to get to see life change in students firsthand and I mean not I mean and but like not only was he just changing lives but he he changed all of us he changed my life completely there too and um, I just want to I'm just so grateful that our church is the kind of church that is passionate about youth and does whatever it takes to send them to things like camp so that they can experience life change um, so thank you and thank you X church My name's Audrey, and um, so I'm going to be a freshman, so this is my first year, like, being with our youth, and I got to go in this camp, and let me tell you, it was life-changing, and not just for me, but, like, I could see it in, like, everyone when we go into small groups. It just amazed me how, like, how differently God touched so many people every night, and, like, it's just so crazy seeing him work through people like that. I've never experienced it, and it was just, it was incredible. It was eye-opening, and it just gave me a new perspective on my faith, and I just... I couldn't be happier with my experience, and it was one of the best weeks of my life, so yeah. 
Thank you, girls. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Come on, that's pretty awesome. I almost had to take the microphone. I might have a couple preachers in the house. Hey, listen, we open up registration for Passion Camp 2020. You better sign your kid up. That's all I'm saying. You better send them because it will change their life. And man, I'm excited to be back just to be able to continue this series, Thy Kingdom Come. I really believe that, that God has a powerful word for us today. And so would you all do me a favor, just, just close your eyes, bow your heads. Let me pray for you today as we get started. God, I, I really thank you for just the way, God, you are moving in our church, the way, God, you are moving in my family, in my life. God, I'm so thankful to be part of a church family like this where we say it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to sometimes struggle with our faith and say we're welcome to be part of this community as we're all on a journey together. And so I ask now, God, by the power of your spirit, that, God, you would speak, that, God, you would touch hearts, maybe in disappointment places, Father, where our faith is kind of dipped. I pray, God, that you would cause it to swell today. We are in your house, and I believe that you are going to meet with us, that you're going to reveal things to us that we have never known. And so, God, we thank you for this moment, this opportunity we have to share as a church family. We say you are a good father, and we are thankful for our heavenly father. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. All right, church, you can go ahead and grab a seat today. It's uh, exciting to be back here with you all. Um, I almost thought you weren't going to miss me because our campus pastors did such a good job preaching. Hello? Come on. Pastor Russ, Pastor Zach. Y'all don't even need me here. That's fine, but, but I like to be here, so that's why I'm here today. And If you're new with us, we, we're in the series called Thy Kingdom Come. We're talking about prayer, and it seems like it's such a simple subject on the surface, you know, like praying. Just, just pray. And, and yet, the reality is, it's a struggle for all of us. I, I, I want to say it's a struggle for me sometimes to pray, to feel like I know what to pray and how to pray how to be effective in praying. I, I, sometimes I struggle with it. And, and we're kind of learning on this journey together. How do we hear from God? If you didn't even know how, how to approach God in prayer, we did a message on that two weeks ago. Don't, don't miss any of these. Go watch them. But, but I, think, I think one of the things I wrestle with so often, this is me just talking about my struggle with it, is that oftentimes in my life when I'm up against a difficult situation or I'm up against something that feels impossible, you know, oftentimes my first reaction is not to pray. You know, when someone gets sick, my first reaction isn't to pray. I don't, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but oftentimes it, it seems like prayer tends to be a last resort rather than the first option. You know, it's like, well, we tried everything and we tried medicine and we went to this doctor and we tried this and I tried to exhaust all means that I could. And so I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll pray. You ever felt like that before? Let's be honest. You ever, you ever said that? It's like, well, I guess there's, I don't know what else to do. I guess we better pray, right? And I, I wonder why. I, I don't think that's because maybe we don't, we don't believe in it. But, but I was thinking, why is it that prayer tends to be a last resort for many of us? And I couldn't help but wonder if it's because of this truth. I wonder if it's not because all of us have at times prayed for things that God didn't do. Let's be honest today, just to show our hands. How many of you have prayed for something that God did not answer when you prayed for it? Raise your hand. Come on, that's every hand. Like, like, I mean, if God's answered every single one of your prayers, please come see me. I've got a few things I need to talk to you about. I'm gonna need you to pray for me, okay? Like, 
And, and I think it's because of that. And when you have those kind of experiences, sometimes your faith begins to waver a little bit. And I wonder if that's why maybe some of you, if you're honest, you're here today, why maybe you stop praying. Or maybe even worse, maybe you kind of stop believing a little bit. Because you prayed and, and you were always told, maybe as a kid, and you went to Sunday school, or your grandmother said, hey, God answers prayers, and so we need to pray, and God wants to hear from you. And so we have this childlike faith, and then we grow up, and then all of a sudden we start praying for things that are serious, and things that are troubling us, and things that we're afraid of, and we go to God, and we pray, and then nothing and let's be real today. Can we just be honest about this? Oftentimes, that's when my faith just plummets. And what happens to many of us is that we land in one of two conclusions. When, when we pray and nothing happens, there's unanswered prayers. God doesn't seem to speak. He doesn't move. When that happens, we land in one of two places oftentimes. One is if God doesn't answer prayer, then maybe God's not real and we might stop believing. Some of you, it might have been a reason why you, you're not even sure you're here today, but, you, you know, maybe it's Father's Day and I went to church, but I'm not really sure I believe. Or maybe the other one is if you really, maybe God is real, but He just doesn't seem to care about me and my prayers. So you stop trying. And, and, and then unfortunately, we can get to a place, and all of us said, man, God has not answered some of my prayers, that, that we start to question and we wonder and we struggle. I just want to say, if that's you today, that I want to say it's okay if you've been in that place. But I also want to maybe encourage you and give you a new perspective if I could today. Because it could be that the reason why you feel like those are the only two conclusions is because you were never really given a good framework for faith that allows God to be God. Do you allow God to be God? Most of us, if we're honest, in our minds, we don't. We don't really, like, we don't allow God to be God. You, you know a basic definition of God? I, you know, this is just, this is like, even if you don't believe in God, this is like Webster. This is dictionary, you know, definition of God would be something simple like this. Supreme being, all powerful, a being that we would say that has all power, all authority. This is, this is the label that we give to this idea of God. All powerful being. Like if there's anyone that could do something, we would say it is this God. Like that, that would be the one we appeal to. Can I ask you a question? I just want you to think about this logically. Just kind of process this. If God does not answer all of your prayers and you kind of then start, well, maybe there's not a God or he does not care. Is it quite possible in your mind that you're actually not allowing God to be God? And I want to ask this. If God does not answer all your prayers, and so you come to this conclusion, well, then God must not exist. Or God, if he's out there, he doesn't really care about me. If that is kind of your conclusion, and I, I get it, kind of logical, that's where we go. Then can I ask this question? If you're not allowing God to be God, then what does that make you? You mean, if God doesn't do everything I want him to do? Well, wait a minute, then who's God? Can we ask that question? That's kind of like parents, can I say? That'd be kind of like... If you don't do every single thing your kids ask to do, who's in charge? They are. Come on, dads, like that. We all know. I'm just done dad to another. You do not give your kids everything they ask for. Can I have a snake? No. You know, I draw the line, some pets. Is it possible that... that in many ways, that if God doesn't answer prayers and so therefore he doesn't exist, are we not elevating ourselves to be God? Like, why don't you just start praying to yourself? Oh, Tim, Tim, I just need you. 
to do a miracle. I can't, okay? I think if we're, we're honest today and we kind of process through this, this whole unanswered prayer thing that's such a struggle for us, that, that what we would come to a conclusion is that maybe it's not one of those two conclusions. Maybe it's not, well, then God doesn't exist because he didn't do what I want him to do. Or maybe it's not that God doesn't care because he didn't do what I want him to do. It could just be that God is God and that God simply said no. And what the real rub is and where we really struggle with our faith, it might not even be the fact that God would maybe say no, but really it's the disappointment of him not doing what we want him to do. And that can hurt. Disappointment. What I think we really struggle with more than anything else is just this feeling of being disappointed. I prayed for her. I prayed for my marriage. I prayed for my kid. I prayed and, and nothing happened. Let me just tell you something. This is why this is so critical that we got to talk about this. I know it might feel a little heavy and we got to deal with this. Because if you do not figure this out, if you do not wrestle with and you do not get a right framework of faith in your mind, your heart, that if you stay in disappointment long enough, it will lead to disbelief. Disappointment will just take you right to disbelief. I just quit believing in God. Some of you are here today. Some of you might be in Lancaster today where you just kind of got to a place where you just stopped believing in God. He doesn't care. He doesn't do anything. I don't think he's really there. And it reminded me uh, of a story, if I could share with you from, from the gospel accounts, of a guy who kind of experienced incredible disappointment. And his name was John. He's not the guy who wrote the gospel, John. He's a guy that we know as John the Baptizer. John the Baptist, right? We know him because he, he was a guy. It's not because he's Baptist and you're like, well, I was hoping he was Methodist. But it's not that. It's that he, he was somebody that had a message and John shows up on the scene and before Jesus, because it was prophesied that one would come to prepare the way for Jesus. And this guy, John, was the fulfillment. And he comes, he's one, Jesus said this, he's one of the greatest men to ever walk the earth. And he shows up and he begins to proclaim this real bold message. And he was trying to get people to change their hearts, change their way, preparing for Jesus to come. And he would baptize people for the repentance of their sins. This was something he was doing. And as John was out getting ready to baptize people in the Jordan, all of a sudden, this moment, Jesus shows up where Jesus was going to get baptized and then he's going to begin in ministry. And I wanted to read to you what John said about Jesus because this is significant before we look at his story. It says in John 1, 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about. You remember I've been talking about this one? There's someone coming. He's the one I've been talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is actually far greater than I am for he existed long before me. Now, that's a little bit confusing maybe, but, but John said when he saw Jesus, he looked and he said, everybody, he's the one that I've been talking about all this time. I've been saying that there's someone coming and I'm telling you, that's the guy. And he says, he's the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. That's not just like, well, he's just a great God. No, what he was saying was he's the Son of God that came, that he came to rescue us, to save us out of our sin, to restore us to God. He is the one. And then he makes a statement that's a little bit odd, right? He said, he's the one I told you who's going to come after me, but he's greater than me because he existed long before me. I'm like, what? That's confusing, John. By the way, Jesus was born after John. What's he saying? He's saying Jesus is not just a man. He's actually the son of God. And he existed before the foundation of the earth. This is the one. 
Now, I found something interesting as I was thinking about this, this statement and when it was in relation to Jesus and his ministry. Do you realize that John made this, de this declaration of who Jesus is before Jesus had ever done one miracle? Before Jesus had ever opened anyone's blind eyes? Before Jesus had preached one message? Before Jesus had ever done one miracle feeding thousands with a little bit of food? Before Jesus ever walked on water? Before Jesus did any of those things, John declares how by faith that this is the one that I was telling you about it. That's a statement of faith. It just, I wanted you to see that John, before Jesus had ever done one thing, he was so full of faith. Let me tell you something about faith. Maybe you don't understand this, but faith is really believing before seeing. That's what faith is. Faith is when you believe something before you see it. I don't know, but I know the one. And so I trust in that one. And I believe even before I see. Can I just tell you, the truth is for most of us is that our faith is more likely informed by what we've seen. Like this, this is what we do. It's what I do. When you get real about your faith, it's what I've seen. And, and truthfully, when I think about what my faith is formed, it's my, my faith is informed and based on what Jesus did for me on the cross and what God did when he raised him out of the tomb. Come on, my faith is based on a resurrected Jesus, not just somebody who's performed a few miracles, but someone who came back to life. My faith and your faith is based on that, but we have that. Eyewitness accounts. That's what we have is the bedrock for what we believe. John didn't have that. And yet he declared by faith. And the truth is this, most of us, our faith is informed by what we see or what we want to see rather than, than who God is. Let me, let me give you this truth. Maybe you'll, you'll let this resonate with you today. Write this down. But our faith should not be based on what God will do for us, but what God has already done for us. Here's where we need to understand this is because most of us, our faith is based on what God will do. Okay, I trust God, but now God, I need you to do this miracle. Oh, you didn't do it. I lost faith. Is your faith based on what God has already done for you? Or is it really only informed by what God might do for you? Because if your faith rests in the things that I need God to do, God, I need you to answer this prayer. God, I need you to do this. If your faith rests in that, let me just tell you what's going to happen. You will constantly be left in a place of disappointment. Because like a good father, he will not give us everything that we ask for. I know that doesn't feel good. But like a good father, he will not give us everything that we want and we desire. So here's this John, like, full of faith. Oh, you're the one before he'd ever done anything. And then Jesus began his ministry. Jesus began to heal people. Jesus began to do all these things. And as he does, the story that we get, the narration of Jesus's life in the gospel accounts, guess what happens to John? He kind of fades off of the scene. He's like, he becomes like the background noise. He becomes like the, he's the opening act. And that was it. People didn't come show up for the opening act. We come for the main event. And, and so John kind of his ministry kind of fades away. But here's the thing you need to know about John. John was one of these guys, I don't know if you know anybody like this, that he was so bold and direct that he would tell it like it is. He would call people out. Do you know anybody like that? 
It's good. You know what? Sometimes you think those people are kind of mean and they're jerks because they'll look at you and call something out. You know, we need people like that in our life sometimes. They will just call it out when we're doing something. And that was John. He would just call, I mean, he called the religious people. He's like, you snakes in the grass. You like, you dead people. I mean, he, he was, you know, direct. And, and he did this with everybody, including the king. At this time, King Herod. And he called him out because of his immorality. And because of that, the king threw him in prison. And so John's sitting in prison. We don't, we don't get the whole story of this until Luke chapter 7. And that's what I want to read to you from Luke 7, verse 18 and on today. We don't get this whole story until John's sitting in a prison cell. Not for anything he's done. Let's be honest. Okay, all he did was, was tell, hey, this is inappropriate. This is wrong. He was speaking out to the king. And he's sitting in a prison cell. And, and when he's in this prison cell, I want you to hear what, what he does, okay? It says in verse 18 of Luke chapter 7. It says that the disciples of John the Baptist, he had his own followers, his ministry, told John. Why? Because he's sitting in a prison. They come to visit him. And, and, and they told John everything that Jesus was doing. Okay? And so John called for two of his disciples, you know, Bill and Fred. Come here, Bill. He says, and he sent them to the Lord to ask this question. Go find Jesus and ask him this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we just keep looking? Are you the one that, that I thought you were? Or sh should we be looking for someone else? And so John's two disciples found Jesus. And they said to him, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep searching? Should we keep looking for someone else? Can I ask you a question? Like what happened from John chapter 1 to Luke chapter 7? What happened that John is so full of faith that he only sees Jesus. He hadn't done a thing. He said, this is the guy that I've been telling you about. This is the one. He is the one from God. Like, I'm telling you, it's all of a sudden Luke chapter 7, and now he's like, well, I'm not really sure. I thought. I thought you were the one. I thought you were God. I thought you were good. I thought, have you ever, have you ever thought that about God? I thought you cared about me. Now, here's the thing. Um, we don't get this in the story, but I, I know this to be true because if you and I were in John's place, I promise you, you're shackled. You can't do anything every single day in the middle of a, of a prison, a dungeon. There's one thing I can guarantee you that John was doing this whole entire time because you and I would be doing this. Morning, noon, and night, praying. You're in a prison. You, God, get me out of here. God, I did nothing to deserve this. God, what, where are you? Come on, God, I've served you faithfully. I have I've followed you. I've done what you want. God, would you rescue? Get me out of here. And when God does not answer his prayer, when God does not act on his behalf, all of a sudden now he's lost his faith. What happened? He's sitting in a circumstance that he never expected to be in and God did not move in his behalf. Can I just say to some of you, I wonder if some of you are here today, just being honest, that, that you are sitting in a circumstance that you did not put yourself into on purpose. You're sitting in a circumstance you never expected to be in. You're sitting here and you got kids and you're a single parent and you're not sure how you're ever going to make it and you never imagined to be there, but they walked out. You're sitting in a situation where you're struggling to make ends meet and you didn't do anything but your company for some reason had to make cutbacks. Where you're in a situation where you're praying for health for yourself or someone else and it's not like they did anything and yet they're suffering. I find that a lot of times 
that we end up in these different situations that we had nothing to do with it. And the only thing that we can do is cry out to God and God, would you move? Would you, would you set me free? Would you do this? And, and then when it doesn't happen, what we do is we find ourselves like John sitting in a prison of disappointment. The real prison of disappointment, listen, wasn't the shackles that held his wrist or his, his ankles, but it was the shackles on his faith. I believed in you before he had ever done anything. And now when he won't do what I need him to do, should we keep looking for someone else? There's a tension that lives right here. You and I feel it. There's a tension where we say, God, I trust you and you're my Lord and I believe in you. And then I get to a place where I need him and he doesn't move on my behalf. There's a tension. What's the answer for unanswered prayers? That's a great question. Well, Jesus gives an answer and I wanted you to hear it because I figure he would know best. And Jesus gives this response in Luke 7, verse 21. It says, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. Verse 22. Then he told John's disciples, here's what I want you to do. Go back and to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Oh, and by the way, let me add this one statement before you go. And then he added, God blesses those who do not what? Everybody say those two words. Who do not fall away because of me. I, I think Jesus, and he knows about John's faith and how it's wavering. How do I speak to his faith that's wavering? You know what Jesus does? He says, well, let's not talk about faith. Jesus says, let's talk about fact. Let's talk about you disciples. Go to John and report what you have seen. That's fact. What you have heard. That's fact. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, the dead are being raised. Come on, this is Jesus. He says, if your faith is struggling, I need to remind you that I am the God who is able to do miraculous things. I am the God who can heal. I am the God. I am doing those things. How many of you today believe that God still does miracles? Is there anybody that believes that? Come on, sometimes if you're struggling in your faith, what you need to hear are from other people who say, I know it because I've experienced it. God still does miracles today, I want to say this. God still heals today, I want to say it. I've seen this and witnessed it. I'm not just talking about 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about today now. He still does miracles today. Some of you have experienced them. I have. I remember this one time, this was, this was, uh, it just, it just, I've never, never forgotten this moment. Because I've prayed for a lot of people to get healed. And you've heard me joke, I don't have a gift of healing, so if you see me showing up in the hospital, you better start getting your plans in order. But um, I remember we had this one experience, we, there was an awakening experience, which was years ago, and there was this, this, this young guy that I knew, he was in his 20s, really great shape, friend of mine. He was in there, and we offered an opportunity if anybody needed prayer for anything after the end of the experience. And, and he came up, and, and I was there, and he said, hey, would you, would you pray for me? He said, I'm having incredible chest pain, just 
he said, like, it's, I've had it for a couple days now. I'm really getting worried about it. It won't go away. He, he could barely breathe. Like, I mean, it was like, you probably need to go to the ER. Like, he was having such bad chest pain, he couldn't breathe. And he was like, would you pray for me? I don't know what to do. And, and, and so I said, okay. And so I laid my hands on him, and I just, I just prayed a simple prayer. God, you, you know what's going on. I don't. But, God, I know that you can heal him, and I'm asking you, God, to remove the pain and to heal whatever's causing it. And we finished praying and gave him a hug, and, and he walked out. He got in his car, and, and he drove off. And about five minutes after, after I prayed for him, that moment, I'm in the room, and I knew he left. And I look in the back of the room, and on the very back row, I see he's back, and he's sitting on the seat. And there's tears running down his face. And so I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, oh like... Dude, you're supposed to go to the ER, not come back here if you're about to die. Like, don't do that. You know what I mean? And so I go up to him. I'm like, hey, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? And he said, well, I left. And he said, but when you prayed for me, he said, the pain left immediately. But I, I didn't know. Like, I, I just thought maybe it's a moment. So I got my car and I drove off and I left. But I felt like something told me, someone told me I needed to come back here. And so he came back and he told me and he said, I don't know how else to explain it, but I said, I've been struggling with this rock. It's gone, completely gone. And I contacted him. I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. You know how sometimes like pains come and go, whatever. I contacted him like the next day. I was like, how are you doing? He was like, dude, I'm doing great. No pain. I asked him a week later, how are you doing? He was like, it's gone, completely gone. I'm just telling you, God still does miracles today. Can we just, can we just thank God for that, that he still heals? In fact, I, I knew some of you were like, well, I, I know, but, but. That's just like a small one. What about a big thing? Well, God still does miracles, even big ones. In fact, I, I wanted you to hear a fact today to help maybe encourage your faith. And I sat down and recorded a story with a couple that we're connected to in this church that walked through something that was really traumatic. And, and honestly, the only, the only word that I can give for this situation is a miracle. Would you watch this story? Russell and Babs, thank you for joining with me today just to tell a little bit of your story. It's good to be here. It's good to have you guys. Russell, tell me a little bit uh, about the moment you heard about your wife, um, where you were, what, what news you got, and uh, what you found out. I was in a conference with ministers in Estes Park, Colorado, and uh, my daughter called first and said, Mom hasn't answered my calls, and I'm concerned. And I said, well, go and knock on the window of the bathroom or the bedroom or something, and maybe. And I said, at the end of the day, um, she said she was concerned. She could. I said, then break a window and go in. Yeah. Next call I got, they've taken your wife uh, to the emergency room. And Russell, she's had a stroke. It looks like she's been down for about eight to nine hours and a, a massive um, stroke and bleed, brain bleed. Yeah, I can imagine what it would be like to be states away from your wife and get that kind of news. 2,000 miles away and, and you feel out of reach and you just pray the whole way. I got to the hospital about midnight. I come through the doors and there she is. Um, and the doctor meets me um, and he shows me the scan and we, after a few moments and he sits down with me and, and says, sir, um, brains that are this traumatized don't usually make it to the hospital. She was down for eight or nine hours, and there's been a massive bleed. We usually have like three options here. We only have one. He said, but you need to know that most people who get this 
traumatized with brain, don't go home. But we're going to do all we can do. Wow. Do you remember any of that moment? When I, just, I just remember I was going to get some things off the floor. So I got down to do that. And I woke up three weeks later. Wow. But I didn't remember even that. I remember going to the hospital. Just to, I ran over there kind of to visit uh, with you at that moment. And I remember you showing me these scans of her brain and the aneurysms, right, that, that were going on. And, and I remember you talking about what the doctor said. Like, what do you remember the doctor saying the prognosis was? They were, they were apologetic, but they said, we're going to do all we can do. Several days after that, I was, we were praying, we're hopeful. She hasn't moved. They, they said, we should be seeing some signs of movement. Mr. Johnson, we're sorry, but she's not giving us any reflex. Uh, we're not getting any purposeful response. Now, occasionally we get a, a reflex. And they said, that's just nerve endings moving. We want purposeful movement, purposeful. She can hear the commands. And days into it, they kept saying, we're not getting anything. Wow. And I would, you know, they would shake her. They would do everything they could to get her to come awake. And it didn't happen. And they were preparing us then for the worst. If, if anything, she's probably going to be in a hospital or in a home where they feed her through the tubes. And they asked me questions. Did you ever write a will or a, did you write anything down as to what her wishes? I said, her wishes are that we do everything we can every day to help her get better. And I want us to take that approach. Yeah. But the bottom line, um, I got to where I was more and more desperate. And I just began calling on people to pray. You went from a position at one point of being the pastor and elder who gets called to go to hospitals to pray for people. And now it's turned to where you needed people to come and to join with you in prayer. Yeah, yep, that's it. Over a thousand people on Facebook, different people. Some of those were dozens were churches. Yeah. And saying, we are praying. Uh, I am grateful to God for the prayers of God's people. He moved and she's here. Amen. Well, and, and how do you feel knowing that so many people around the world were praying for you by name? It's hard to grasp that, yeah. but it had to be, or I wouldn't be like this. Wow. I remember we, we gathered together and um, we went into the room. You don't remember this. No. <laughs> you, you were out, but, but we did. We gathered around, around you in the room and we brought some oil with us and, and we prayed. And it wasn't, uh, Lord, um, if you can. It was, Lord, we know you can. You are able. We know you are able. And we, we ask God to heal. And um, it's amazing because I, we know what medicine says and we know what doctors say. But our faith also tells us that sometimes we get to see what God says mm. in those moments. We did right here. And we did. So I, I said, uh, I think she's made a couple of moves. And the doctor got a hold of him and he yelled. It, it scared the whole room. It's so loud. Babs! And, <laughs> and, and it usually said, can you squeeze my finger? And before he got the sentence completely out, she squeezed. And he said, I have a squeeze. And, and a couple days later, she did this, thumbs up. And then she gave two fingers. And then one day, she opened her eyes. Wow. I mean, it's, what a remarkable turnaround. I, I'm, I'm blown away. And one of the opportunities to be able to sit down with you guys and be able to share your story because it is truly remarkable. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. The doctors are saying it's a miracle that you should not be here, but you're here.
And uh, is there anything that you just want to say about this? I didn't realize coming out of the hospital just everything that had happened. I knew people had prayed for me, but I didn't know how much. But as days went on, I, you know, you figure out, well, you shouldn't be here, but you are. She's with me at a missionary convention, and there are people coming from all over the world and saying, I just want to hug a miracle. <laughs> I mean, I was a postscript. They all knew that. Yeah, yeah. You didn't matter really at that point. Well, I just want to say I'm very glad that you're here. And I know that your grandkids are glad, and your kids are glad. And um, just a reminder to all of us that God still answers prayer and that God still does miracles. I'm very grateful for all, for all the prayers from your church, other churches everywhere, because I wouldn't be here. We're glad you're here. Thank you guys for coming and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, man. Babs is a living, breathing miracle of the grace of God today. I'm telling you, God has completely healed and changed her. Like, uh, it, it, it's one of the most amazing things to be able to see front row. And I got to have an opportunity to go and be one of the ones that prayed for her when all the doctors said there's no hope. I think that's when Jesus says, hey, go and tell John. Hey, go and tell the world what I'm doing, that I can heal hopeless situations, that I can raise the dead to life. Go and tell them. I thought maybe you just needed to hear something to build your faith a little bit today, to know that God still answers prayers. But here's what I also know, that for every situation like Babs, an absolute miracle, that for many of you, that there are many more situations that it didn't go like that. You know, where, where you prayed and and it wasn't that you didn't have faith and believe that God could, but for whatever reason, he didn't. And that's, that's, that's the place where we sit in disappointment. And that's the place where John was. And that's the place where maybe some of you are sitting today with your faith. And perhaps it's for that reason that Jesus made that one statement that I read to you. After he says, go and tell them what I'm doing, but blessed God blesses those who do not fall away on account of me. Why would we fall away on account of him? Or some translations say, blessed are those who do not get offended because of me. Why, why did Jesus say that? I'll tell you why I believe he said that. He says, I can do all of these things, but blessed is the person whose faith does not fall when I choose not to. That's the hardest thing to deal with when God chooses not to, when he doesn't answer our prayers. And I just want to be real with you and say that I wish I had a really good answer for you today of exactly why God didn't heal or why God didn't rescue or save your situation, why God hasn't stepped in and miraculously done something. I wish I had a better answer for you. All I can tell you is this. I have seen in my life that sometimes some of the greatest gifts that God would give to us are actually unanswered prayers. And I know it doesn't feel like it maybe in the moment. In fact, there was a country singer that wrote a song about that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, we got some Garth fans. Wow. You know, like sometimes the great, God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I wanted to tell you one of mine. I, uh, 
I was going back and I immediately with this message thought about a prayer that I prayed and I, and I prayed a lot of prayers over the years but this one was significant to me so much so I wrote it down in my journal on August 22nd 2015 that's almost four years ago I prayed this really specific prayer we had just started our build the house campaign and God had just brought Russell Johnson into my life the one you just saw in the story and their their company to help and they said we got approved for funding and and I just felt this like okay God you're doing something here it goes it's, it's gonna happen it's doing something I had this faith this boldness because I remember writing this down I actually have this on this date August 22nd 2015 I prayed this prayer a bold prayer I said God I believe you and I pray that one year from this day one year from this day that we will have broken ground and the building will be going up that was August 22nd 2015 August 22nd 2016 came around guess what no building August 22nd 2017 came around guess what no building August 22nd 2018 guess what no building But I stand here today as somebody who maybe is on the other side of a prayer like that, looking back, saying, thank you, God, that you did not answer my prayer on August 22nd, 2015, because had God answered that prayer and had we got started, listen, there was a lot of things that God needed to do in me and in our church to prepare us for what he want, He was going to do for us as a church. And I had to walk through some things and we had to walk through some things. And I'm a different person. I'm a different pastor today because of those. And I would not change it for the world. I look now and I say, if God had given me what I asked for for our church, it might have been a mess for us. Us. And so I'm here today saying sometimes you got to get on the other side of it before you can look back and say, okay, God, you are up to something that I could not see. I'll just let you be God and I won't be God. And I just want to say in some of your situations you prayed and maybe they were more significant and you might have to get to the other side of eternity to understand what God was doing. You're not the only one. And I believe that God wants to minister hope to you today. Maybe if you came disappointed, God wants to infuse you today with faith at both our campuses. Come on, would you stand at your feet? I'm about done. And I just believe God wants to do something in our hearts today. There's some of you that God wants to release something. He's changing the perspective in your life. He's doing something today. But I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 11. I would encourage you maybe read that chapter if you've never read it. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter we talk about the heroes of our faith. It's all these people who by faith, they trusted God and God performed great miracles. By faith, Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. By faith, God had always, Noah built an ark. Never seen right, build an ark, believe in God and his word by faith. And it goes through all these people and it talks about the great exploits that people have done by faith. It talks about victories and battles that were defeated, that they had no business winning by faith. It talks about how God shut the mouths of lions because of the faith of Daniel and all of these people, how God had done all these things on their behalf because of faith. And then right in the middle of one verse, it just turns. And then all of a sudden, the writer of Hebrews wanted us to know, but there were also a lot of people full of faith that were tortured and not set free, that were killed for their faith like John the Baptist was, that were not let out of prison because of their faith. What about them? Oh, they didn't have the faith. No, that's not what the writer of Hebrews tells us. 
What happens is God was up to something bigger. And I want you to hear this. I'm going I'm I'm to say this little two verses, then we're going to close. Hebrews 11, verse 39 and 40 says, All these people, he's talking about those who by faith did not see what they prayed for. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. God, you're my protector. God, you're my healer. God, you're my... Yeah, but they didn't get to see all of that in their life. It says, verse 40, here's why. Maybe this will be the answer for unanswered prayers. For God had something, what church? Say it out loud. For God had something better in mind for who? Whoa, wait, wait, wait. You mean to tell me that their unanswered prayer was because God needed for you and me to see what it looks like to watch people of faith who will hold on to their faith even when God does not answer and God does not give them what they want. Maybe there's a reason for your unanswered prayers and maybe God is doing something bigger than just giving you what you want. But maybe God is developing you and maybe God's going to use your unanswered prayers to build somebody else's faith so that when they see you in a trial, when they see you in a storm and God has not shown up but they see the kind of resolve and faith where you say I trust God no matter what it's going to speak life to people who don't have faith something is going to happen because of our unanswered prayers and so today I just wanted you to just to be able to receive something that God wants to minister to you would you close your eyes just bow your heads both our campuses I, I want to pray for you I think there's some here that have just been hurting you've been disappointed you can't understand why God hasn't done what he's done. Sometimes, listen, the answer is no. Sometimes God doesn't do it in this side of eternity. Sometimes healing comes on the other side. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we want, but it's because he is a good father and he knows what you need and he knows what those around you need. And so God, we come to you today. Some of us broken with broken faith. We come to you today, God, maybe just weary, I pray for every person that's sitting in a place of disappointment today. Every person that feels like, God, you, you have left them. Every person that says, God, why didn't you answer? Father, I pray today that you would just set something free in us. I pray today, God, that something is shifting in our faith today where we say, okay, God, I'm trusting you. You're a good father. And listen, church, sometimes the best thing you can do when you're facing disappointment is to begin to lift your mouth and begin to worship. You send your praise up. Sometimes when you begin to declare, God, you have the victory. No matter what I'm going through, I trust you. Come on, maybe we need to do that today. Maybe we need to worship.